does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Ready to race at Indy? IMSA WeatherTech Sports Cars away! Here come those two Porsche Penske machines. It looks like they're disgust trying to block that inside line. Big move to the outside. That yellow nose Cadillac is Sebastian Bourdais. He has a ton of experience Whoa. there. Campbell locks up. He goes wide. Bourdais is locked into a spin. And but now Tandy's going to have the difficulty of getting his car up to speed. There's the difference. That's an LMP3 car at speed. Hot tyres whipping by potentially the race leader. Not as tricky as it was in the morning warm. It's got a little bit more track temperature, ambient temperature compared to the early part of this day. But look at him moving around. Where's his teammate? Not even on. There comes Felipe Nazar just entering Helmut Boulevard right there. That's going to give Tandy plenty of time. Plenty of time. And Nazar's saying, please, get out of my way. Clear my path. I need to get up there and take the fight back. So the overcut, staying out one lap longer for Nick Tandy, has worked beautifully. Final lap coming up. Less than two and a half miles for Britain's Nick Tandy and Frenchman Mathieu Jaminet. They won on the famed streets of Long Beach, California earlier this year. Much to their surprise because it was a pretty crazy race in the end. And Nick Tandy had those eyes wide open and a big smile saying, I can't believe we did it. But they did to get that win for Porsche Penske Motorsport. So imagine that just in the season to get the win at Long Beach and to win here on the Battle of the Bricks, Porsche Penske Motorsport. Hello, welcome, Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis and other locations this week. Thank you for joining us. Kurt Cavan, Kevin Lee, Eddie Garrison is in our Indianapolis studios. Highlights from the return of IMSA and the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the first time in a decade. Seems appropriate that Roger Penske's team would win. Porsche Penske wins it. Nick Tandy, the driver, taking the checkered flag. Uh, we'll talk more about the return of IMSA to IMS, including night racing in a wild Michelin Pilot Challenge race where Robert Wickens very much played into things at the end. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Don't forget, there's still more to come at IMS. The BC39 is next week with USAC Midgets, Wednesday through Saturday, the 27th through 30th. But, Kurt, we have an off-season, and we continue to have IndyCar news to discuss. Well, it's good. We ha- we did have an IMSA race, and so that was fun. And I think uh, you know we should get to that later in the show because that was uh, really entertaining. And when when Roger Penske's happy, we're all happy. And it's uh, it was fun to watch him just kind of enjoy his weekend as as team owner and race fan, and and maybe not have as much pressure on him, you know, from a running the event standpoint that he sometimes well always has now these days. So that was fun. But yeah, we have IndyCar news with Kiffin Simpson being added to the Chip Ganassi racing program for 2024. I think there's, you know, as many questions about that from the outside. I think, you know, we start with the fact that 
we thought that would be a 2025 program, maybe at the earliest. And here we're going to do it in 2024. And, you know, I think a lot of us have been, you know, we watched the Indy Next by Firestone races. Kiffin Simpson hasn't been, you know, a regular in victory lane. And so I think there'll be some some questions or some some thoughts about, you know, people wondering, oh, how is this going to work out? So I think those are all kind of things we get to. He turns 19 on October, I think it's 7th now that I think about it. It's the first full week of October. So it's coming up on 19th birthday. He'll clearly be the youngest driver in this field in uh, twenty. Four. So Kiffin Simpson uh, finished ninth in Indy next last year, starting the season as a 17 year old uh, split between teams finished up with HMD this year with HMD finished 10th in a much deeper field. There were more cars uh, this year and a lot of talent. He had a couple of podiums did miss a race. So that impacts his championship finish. He's had some sports car success uh, running up front, winning, in European Le Mans, he has won already two of the big ones in IMSA. In GTD last year, he won at Petit Le Mans, and this year he was part of the Sebring winner that, that Scott McLaughlin was a part of in LMP2. It's always hard to really gauge sports cars because it's not just you. It's you and, in these cases, two other teammates. But he does have some higher-level experience Um so if you notice the last couple of weeks, because I think you're right that most people thought this was going to be a 25 thing, but I've said this throughout the year that, hey, you never know. It it really does depend on what his dad wants to do and what he wants to do, because let's be honest, they have a major financial stake in the team, meaning from a, a sponsorship standpoint, Ridgeline, which you see on several Ganassi cars. I don't know if it's fair to say that's his dad's company, but his dad controls a lot of the marketing budget. So that's what the tie-in is from that standpoint. I also believe the family has helped the American Legion uh, as well. So that works as a tie-in. And you might have noticed the last couple of weeks that I brought his name up a few times uh, just to kind of keep that in mind. So I was told at Portland, I didn't really want to say this because I thought they might change their mind. And I wondered if they might... uh, try to to change the path a little bit but that's where i was first told that this is happening we've got a fifth car and we're doing this and then a crew member told me at laguna seca yep we are preparing for five cars but you know a sourcing goes but one source was really really good but i also thought they could change their mind so i didn't really want to get into that and uh i didn't know how many people knew so it's just not worth it so let's wait and see what they do. I actually walked out to the parking lot with Kiffin Simpson on Sunday after the IMSA race. And I thought about asking him and I thought, you know, I don't want to make him lie to me if it's, if he's going to do it. Uh, although he probably would just would have said, yep, you'll see an announcement tomorrow morning, but we just chatted about some other things. So, so here's how I see this. You know, I, I get everyone saying, whoa, he's not ready for this. He needs to do another year. And that would be my first reaction too. But here's another perspective to keep in mind. Let's think about it just from developing a driver and that standpoint. So, yes, if he stays in Indy next next season, I think he would be a championship contender and certainly would have a good chance of finishing third, fourth, or fifth and would be better in his rookie season 
in 25 in IndyCar if he did another year in Indy next. But let's look at it from 2025 IndyCar. Will he be better in 2025 as an IndyCar driver if he does another season of Indy next or if he takes his lumps and goes through the learning process that all rookies go through, including Joseph Newgarden? You look back at his results as a rookie. They were not good. Is he better in 25 by getting thrown in the deep end in 24? Same thing is the reason why NFL teams now start their high draft pick rookie quarterbacks. You're going to take your lumps at some point. Let's take them now and try to be better the next year. Well, that and I think that's certainly the path they're on. Uh, look, uh, we all understand that, uh, you know, how this came together um, with his father and the company and and so forth. And I think starting makes sense. The question really becomes, you know, where are you in the development? Meaning, are you in the bottom three of the of the 28, 27 car field? Are you in the mid 20s? Uh, you know, it's just it's just going to have to it'll be interesting to watch. You know, we've seen, you know, I think we've watched Devlin DeFrancesco improve significantly here over these last two years uh, with his team. Uh, there we have we've seen other rookies, uh, you know, struggle, honestly. And so, you know, I guess it's the it's the the level to which the struggle happens uh, is probably the the thing that that we're going to watch the closest. We know it's going to be a difficult first season, you know, even some of the best that we've seen. I mean, and yet we see some surprises. I mean, we thought, you know, if we were talking about this January one, and I don't know if the program was even announced in January, uh, first of first week of January, but if Augustine Canapino is going to come to this series with no open wheel experience, we would have said, and I think we did say, Something short of this is not going to go well. It just isn't. He doesn't have the experience in this type of car. Uh, while he had won, you know, 15 national championships in touring cars in Argentina, this is not apples to apples. This is vegetables to fruit. You know what I mean? It's It wasn't comparable. Uh, while he had a lot of experience coming in at age, what, 32, 33 years old, forget when his birthday was. But your point, the point is that it was just going to be really difficult. And he didn't, he didn't sink. He swam. He's 12th in the first race. He's 12th in the second race. I think the most impressive thing he did all year was finish 12th at Toronto, for heaven's sakes. So, and he made the Indy 500 with, with room to spare. So these seasons can turn out better than we expect or project and, Let's just hope that uh, this is somewhere between, you know, uh, a, a low twenties to, to to mid twenties finish for for Kiffin Simpson. And he doesn't have a one of those kind of seasons that that just absolutely didn't go doesn't go well. Back to hearing that this was happening. Uh, this was uh, Nathan Brown had this quote in, in his Indianapolis Star article from Chip Ganassi. So I had already heard this information and. And I was part of the the small media group that met with Chip last weekend. And uh, someone asked about a fifth car for the Indy 500. And he said, eh, you know, we might be open to that. Uh, so I decided, let's go and ask him. I said, do you have a, a plan yet? I think this is the way I asked it. Do you have a plan yet for Kiffin Simpson? And that's where that got the quote, no, we just throw darts. <laughs> Meaning, yeah, we just make it up as we go along. But I guess I could have asked 
will you tell us what your plan is for Kiffin Simpson? And he kind of alluded like, um, you know, we're not there yet. So, uh, you know, I asked the, the guy who would be able to give a firm answer and he wouldn't confirm it. So kind of left it at that. And I also thought it's very possible that even though they were preparing for the likelihood, it may not have been 100% set uh, at that point. Here's another thought and a motivation as to why it can make sense for both sides. If this franchising system comes into play, which has been discussed, because I've had a few people in the paddock tell me this, that you might see someone seem to be more likely on the Chevy side because they are more likely to have full engine leases available. But you might see a team work to add an extra entry because once the franchising system comes in, then it may be kind of locked in. It's a little bit vague whether that's going to be limited to 22, like the leader circle, or if it's going to be, hey, we had 27 full-time cars last year. There are 27 franchises. I don't know what that is, but the way a few people were telling me, they seem to be of the thinking that if you have a full-time car, then you have a franchise. So that could be something. Chip Ganassi, by the way, has already done quite well with the NASCAR franchising system. He sold that charter to Justin Marks for a lot of money a couple of years ago. So maybe there is something that provides a little bit more value. I I think you're right. And I don't know that we want to get into a franchise discussion at the moment because there are so many unanswered questions and does this happen at all? Correct. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot to this conversation and it would sure be helpful if we spoke with with some sense of authority as we're discussing it. But to your point, uh, you know, I think that's a good motivation. If if you were on the fence one way or the other, it would be a, kind of a good thing. I, I find it hard to believe that in any model for a franchise system that you would set up allowing a team to have five cars because at mm. this point you know what seems more likely to me you got 10 teams everybody gets you know two or three and if even if you had three that's 30 and you know that's you know feels like a a more reasonable number than than saying you know one team gets five just because or they throw out two or three extras over the next year or so yeah. and then then you've got all these these uh you know one or two teams controlling you know 10, 10 of the franchises. So, you know, it's, I think it'll be a, a more equitable system uh, when that comes to play, but that's a really good thought that, that if you were on the fence about this and you, you know, at this point, I think the owners would have a little inside information into that. So I think that is, that is something to consider. Um, we should mention that uh, Kiffin is off to spa this weekend. So he's, he's racing in the American Le Mans series. So, you know, we can check results at the end of the weekend and just see how that goes for him. Uh, you're right. He's he's driven a lot of high horsepower equipment and 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 again, not necessarily comparable because the dynamics in IndyCar are just different. But, you know, he he is further along, maybe. Uh, well, certainly further along than if you were just watching his his Indy next by Firestone results. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's definitely going to make it. I'm not smart enough to make those predictions. Oh, by the way, the, the guys that hired him, though, ha do have a pretty good track record. Michael and Chip Ganassi of finding talent that, you know, nobody was talking about, or at least not many. We're talking about Alex Pillow as a future superstar when he finished 16th with Dale Coyne. 
and wins the championship the next year. I'm not predicting that at all. You know, the stats say when you're ninth and 10th in Indy Lights, Indy next, you could, and you're still 18 years old, you could probably use another year. But man, does he have a lot of experience for that age in all kinds of different cars? And that accelerates the learning curve a, a little bit. And the bottom line is that budget is king in racing. And if you have enough budget, you can develop quicker. And if it's budget that helps the entire program, then that is something to be considered. He is not just simply handing a check over for his ride. He is helping to support. He he is the link to sponsorship that helps the entire program. That might be how they returned Alex Pillow and how they hired Linus Lundquist. I don't know. That's all you know, things that are not spoken about, but there are other factors involved. And I'll say this, I think he's got a chance. Um, He is with the top team. Maybe he is running 10th to 12th at times as a rookie next year. He's going to take his lumps, I'm sure. But I think it's very possible that he has some bright spots next year. One of the things that that happens you alluded to this just a minute ago one of the factors involved is honda itself you know how many engines do they have to make available to you know or programs i guess i should say and the infrastructure to support and the commitment to run you know a certain number of cars we've talked about andretti being a three-car operation in 2024 don't know the answer to that that's one of the things we can still get to in this discussion about uh, the lineup as it sits or as it comes to be for 24. But don't you think that had to have played into this discussion that Honda was saying, yep, we're probably going to be, you know, down one somewhere else. And that opens the door for a fifth at Ganassi. It does. That is still TBD. And in Nathan Brown's star story, he reached out to Honda and basically asked, uh, if Andretti puts a fourth together, would they be allowed to do that? Would you go from 15 to 16 entries? And I think the response was to be determined at this point. Maybe there is definitive news on that uh, because they didn't get the leader circle money. So that's now an extra million-ish that they need to raise in the budget for that car. Yeah, I, I still think it likely can happen. If Andretti wants it to happen, and depending on what the driver and the scenario is, if it happens soon, that they're not going to add an extra in- entry if you come together with a program in January. But if this were moving along nicely and they had something that everybody liked here in the next month, I, I think they could add an extra car. But yeah, I, I don't have any new information on what Andretti is doing if, if they're running a fourth car. You know, one thing, this is a little bit of a transition. I don't know what else there is to clean up on on Kiffin Simpson, but but uh I think it bears conversation, perhaps here, that there there are some other drivers, and I'm curious on your take. There's a couple other young drivers that we should be watching. We saw Nolan Siegel over the weekend in IMSA. We saw uh Josh Pearson is gonna be running in the WEC Toyota hypercar. Uh, coming up there who's a couple of the others that that maybe were you know as we it's not previewing any next or you know but who who are a couple of those other really young kids that we have i say kids but that 
maybe we haven't talked a great deal about. We've talked about the Rasmussen's and and so forth. But is there somebody else that over these, you know, next, you know, several months and, yep. and into 24, who should we be really looking at as a path for for IndyCar? So Josh Pearson is another driver that has the budget to move up when he wants. He's driving everything. He's driving a lot, but he'll be an Indy next next season. They are not considering IndyCar for next year. He's an Ed Carpenter uh, development driver, and the hope, the plan is for 25. Uh, Nolan Siegel, I'm pretty certain, is going to be an Indy next. I talked with him over the weekend, and they're still having positive conversations with IndyCar, but I think they are to the point where we don't really see a path for that, and he was already planning on a two-year program. He just did really well. He probably did better than everyone expected. Then it's, oh, maybe we can move up. He finished third in the next championship. But you're going to see, unless something really surprising happens, you're going to see him in Indy next next season. Um, I'd keep an eye on Christian Rasmussen for Ed Carpenter Racing and probably others. I, I think you're going to see him test a car soon for them and maybe another driver oliver ask you i used to always see hanging around that tent so maybe he gets a look i keep hearing his name as as to there is some interest for him so that could be one that makes some sense there uh to and and maybe it could be just to kind of gauge how christian does hunter McElray is working on something and his is more likely to be a part-time situation you know maybe if ed carpenter wants to run his car full-time next year which i think would help ed on the oval races not to have to go out first in qualifying maybe hunter can put the budget together to do road course races things like that but that's probably what we're looking for oh daniel frost is the other name that has been linked to dale coin that i know has budget i don't know if he has you know enough to guarantee a seat or not but he tested well for them next year we'll get back to the other names in silly season just kind of wrapping up ganassi um have we seen an announcement? Do we need to see an announcement from Alex Pillow? Chip Ganassi told me on TV, and then when he was asked about it in a little briefing, he didn't want to get into it a whole lot more. And I, I'm told he even, uh, after our interview, after Portland, he walked over to Alex and said, uh, I think I just said something you're going to have to speak to, so good luck. Because I think Alex was kind of waiting to do this. Maybe maybe there's an announcement at Thursday's victory banquet type type of thing. But I, I do think we need to hear Alex Pillow say firmly that I am driving for Chip Ganassi Racing next year. So I think I think you're right. I think I think at some point someone is going to put together an opportunity for Alex to talk to someone. I think it, I think we still need to hear from Alex. And, you know, he has continued to say and kind of deflect the conversation till the season's in. I got to wait till the season's in, you know, and I don't think we need an announcement. You know, they they've they've talked about, you know, having uh him under contract and hmm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do. I think they do because I believe they the last announcement was they picked up the option for 2023. So I think the original contract is expiring. So they could always extend that contract. But I, I would think there needs to be something for it. It'd be fine if Alex says it, but we, do, we just need him to say it. 
Well, <laughs> it's funny. We're 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 shaping the public relations department and the strategy for Chip Ganassi Racing here on the show. This is what we do. We we sure. shape those uh, those timelines and and uh, and plans. But but yeah, I think a very good opportunity would be later this week uh, as uh, IndyCar comes together to to celebrate its. Um, you know, it's top five and, and it's rookie of the year and what a great season it was. I know there's some TV information we should get to later on, but uh, just just in terms of of um, Alex, you know, I think we know what we know, but, you know, it is good to see it on paper and the team speak to it in some some form or fashion, even if it's to say. You know, we here's our five car lineup for 2024. I don't think it said that in in the release. Um, it just talked about Kiffin Simpson, but Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Linus Lundquist, Marcus Armstrong, who uh, was confirmed about this time last week. I can't remember if we had it on our show. I don't. I know we talked about it, but but whether or not it was uh, done in time for the show, uh, and then uh, that of course Kiffin Simpson. First five-car lineup since Andretti in 20. That was sort of with uh, Satellite. I think maybe Harding might have still been involved, but they were essentially running five cars. That would have been Marco's last full-time season, I believe. And then there's kind of like Zach Brown, who likes to provide news, and there is a tie-in here. Zach Brown is always – he's the news giver every week. Alex Pillow has been that. Uh, This might have been before last week's show, and we didn't get to it, or maybe it's been since then. But Nathan Brown has good legal sources and has gotten into some things. And and I think what he wrote from the Indianapolis Star a little while ago explained some things because we all had questions. Well, wait a minute. I thought he couldn't negotiate with anyone until the end of the season. How does he have a binding contract? So the Indianapolis Star wrote that Ganassi and Pelot's original deal, which included a team option for the 23 season, IndyCar season, that Ganassi attempted to trigger to keep hold of Pelot, for at least one more season, also included a clause that prevented Pillow from negotiating with other teams for 24 and beyond before the start of this September. Though presently unconfirmed by either side, it's believed that during the arbitration process between Pillow and Ganassi a year ago, that clause was waived in the process of putting together a new one-year deal that Pillow drove under this season. So that makes sense to me, and we wondered about that, if that got changed in there at some point as a way. Let's just move on. Let's don't pretend that you're not talking to McLaren and you're not planning to go there in 24. So the story continues. Even if it did still exist, the clause saying you can't talk to other teams until September, it theoretically, writes the Indianapolis Star, wouldn't make his contract signed with McLaren last October any less valid. It would have only opened the door for Ganassi to file suit for yet another round of breach of contract, which doesn't appear to be taking place. That makes sense. Um, that would be between Ganassi and Pelot if he signed with McLaren. That's not, you know, if McLaren, I don't think the courts are going to get into that. So the McLaren situation uh, is a bit different, but we still don't have all of, of the facts. Zach Brown said, I'll let the UK Commercial Court and the facts when they surface allow people to come to their own conclusions as to Alex's character, was his comment last weekend. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, still more to come. Still more to come on this story. And 
I had a nice chat with with Nathan uh, over the weekend and and talking about, you know, the way you you find documents. You know, you can you can usually find these documents from a US court system, but going through the the UK and and the you know, just the process and and the digging and and as we know, the language that that are used from a legal standpoint uh in the UK compared to how we say things in the US court system is is very interesting and uh certainly pretty revealing. Um, you know, the the I think at some point we'll certainly have even better sense for how much uh Alex was paid, how much the value of the Formula One testing that McLaren provided for him, you know, how much what what's the total look like? I, I think we'll see a breakdown and and that'll be fascinating if it gets that far. I think it in my uneducated opinion, I think it would be hard to get the money back that it cost for an F1 test. Agreed. But advanced salary, yeah, they might have something there. There there's that that's probably going to be an issue if he was advanced some salary. And then it comes down to, well, wait a minute, he would be getting paid to to test the F1 car. And make appearances. So, how was it spelled out in that contract? There will be lawyers. All right, we'll get into what else uh, this means as far as silly season. What seats are still open? What is still to be determined? Uh, some schedule updates and and some more definitive things we've learned in the last week about 2024. Much more to come. It's Trackside 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Colton Herta, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We are in multiple locations for this week's show. Um, The first hour is plausibly live. You might hear a race car in the background. I'm at Virginia International Raceway, and we'll do the second hour from an airport with a a better uh, hookup than we had last time. I figured out a trick to not hang up on Kurt at all times or on myself which I, I do a lot. So uh, we'll get to some of your Twitter questions a little bit later on. Kevin Lee, 23 at Kurt Cavan. Eddie Garrison is in our Indianapolis studio. We continue throughout the off season Tuesday nights from seven until nine. So we got one more confirmation with Kiffin Simpson making it five. We're going to say five, even though we haven't had the Alex Polo uh, official announcement, but Chip said it on television. So it must be true. Um, and maybe in the second hour too. So I started doing some counting on the Indy 500. Uh, I know you have some things going on today, so maybe I'll do that myself later on, but we're running out of seats for the Indy 500. So I, I kind of looked at that, but let's first just look at where things stand for next year and what still remains to be decided. What do we still have left open? Well, you start with with Dale Coin Racing, which could be both cars. It could be one car. 
I don't think the answer is no cars, obviously, because David Malukas has left the program. But uh, you're going to have, uh, but with Alex Pelo in play in this series, anything could happen with uh, David Malukas, I suppose, as well. Hey, McLaren's involved with that one too. So um, you got that that two car program to watch. We still very much need to hear from Ed Carpenter Racing, as we talked about in the first hour. You know what what happens uh, with with that program does ed carpenter make that a, his car a full-time operation or do they keep it just as an oval 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 only so therefore it's kind of two and a half cars uh you know I, I don't know yeah i guess we do just like the question we brought up with with alex Pillow and chip ganassi yeah we need to hear from from aj foyt racing that's another one we need to hear from if they're going to keep the two that they've got you know do they have a change in the order? Do they go, I wouldn't think, to three cars? But, you know, do we need to hear from A.J. Foyt Racing. Uh, we need to hear from Hukos Hollinger Racing. Uh, you know, I've talked to, I saw Ilot over the weekend. I saw uh, Canna, or I had a conversation with Canapino last week. Uh, his situation very much in flux. Uh, the Argentine economy is has had a very difficult year. In fact, inflation is as high. I've no, I've read in news reports, inflation is high in Argentina as as any year since 1991. And so, you know, from an economy standpoint and a sponsorship standpoint, Argentine money is going to be difficult to come by. And so they they need to resolve that issue at Junco's Hollinger Racing. Uh, I think we both thought that both of those cars showed a lot of promise and the fact they expanded from one car to two cars you know was was certainly a factor in in their overall performance but i i think having both those guys back in 24 would be uh, a pretty welcome sight and then as i think through I, I know we need to hear from andretti autosport is it three cars is it four cars i think that's another one and if I'm not mistaken. The oh, 30. we need we need to have the the extra car. I say the extra car, the thirty car at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan confirmed. Um, is that Yuri Vips? Is that someone else? Is you know? And then, as you mentioned, and you keep a pretty good list. I mean, we have, as usual, more drivers than there are seats, and that's why uh, you know, an Oliver Askew kind of got shuffled out a couple years ago. You know, we've got some people. Does Roman Grosjean come back? Does Stingray Rob come back? Does, you know, what's the situation uh, with Yuri Vips? So, you know, there there are several drivers, not to mention the list uh, that I'm sure you'll get to. But uh, I think that's the list of, of cars and drivers. We know we've yep. got some cars for the Indy 500, which you can get to later. I've not made a count yet, but uh, we still got a lot of things. I'm not sure which domino happens first, but we're going to get still some to fall. I would think Yuri Vips is going to be in the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car. He showed well, was quick. He didn't get a chance to race at Laguna Seca. Um, you know, the coin cars. So so now we're hearing less, and you've just got to make phone calls. And if, if nothing is decided, a lot of times at sports car races, I hear things. I didn't hear a lot this weekend on that front. Um, so I don't know if anything has changed with Dale Coyne racing. Maybe it kind of Devlin DeFrancesco, I think, is going to have some options because he has some budget. Uh, where does does Connor Daly have a path back? Does Jack Harvey 
have a path back. We talked in the last segment about some of the drivers looking to move up. Is there a path at coin for Ramon Grosjean or does someone that has sponsorship that wants attention go in that path? The one I'm seeing, the only one I'm seeing outside of coin for him is maybe an Ed Carpenter racing, but I don't know that that is super likely. Is Simon Pagino cleared soon enough to get back in the mix? You know, un- unfortunately for Simon, it may get to a point. Um, well, first and foremost, he just wants to feel good again, and then he will decide what he wants to do. And if he wants to do the Indy 500, I would certainly think he would be at the top of everyone's list and maybe could just do a reset for for 2025 if he likes. So let's let's talk about Hunkos and the situation there. Um, so there, there are a couple of factors in that. First, before the weekend... Callum, uh, I know, told our Dylan Welch at NBC and then uh, the Indianapolis Star said that he, he told other reporters as well. And I wrote these quotes down. So we'll cite that, that he said, I'm coming back. There's no question. It was just for a while where what was going on was uncertain. But yes, I'll be coming back. And they had announced a multi-year deal the year before. But from when I've talked to Ricardo Uncos and when others have talked to him, you know, we need to hear it from Ricardo of what's happening. And in a post-race interview with the Indy Star, Hunko's confirmed that his team was still in need of filling significant budgetary holes for next season, that both his drivers, neither of whom bring any funding, were at risk of not returning. The team co-owner also told uh, another outlet that he holds team options on both drivers until December 15th. He has told me that as well, that he holds the option on that. I haven't been able to confirm on how that works with Callum, but I've always just said it's complicated. So we're going to need to hear a confirmation there, even though it seems in that path. For the Foyt team, I don't think they need to announce Benjamin Peterson because that was announced as a multi-year agreement. Now, we all know that things don't always stick. So you know, I don't think anyone can ever say, generally speaking, it's 100%. But that's what we will go with until we hear something differently. But I think that's probably likely to be the case. And then it sounded like they were getting closer to something with Santino. Is there an opportunity for a third car, Indy 500 or otherwise? Uh, we shall see on that front. Oh, then back to the Hunkos thing. So we saw, we touched on this a little bit last week about the statement that had to be put out because Ilot is getting hate again from Canapino fans. And the statement was a little bit different, but sometimes there's something lost in translation. So, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to make much about it, but obviously other people have taken notice of that as well. And Nathan Brown wrote a story uh, about this and, and noticed the difference in the two statements from Long Beach to this one. When you do parse it, if you really look into it, um, you know, our first thought was, I'm not sure that Callum did anything wrong at all on track. It just looked like Canapito drifted out, but it's kind of looking like the team might think differently. And there's some different reports saying that Ilot was told to protect his teammate in that case. And the statement was, let's not let yesterday's on-track incident overshadow all the great accomplishments we've achieved achieved as a team this season. So when you kind of read that, it's almost like, yeah, he made a mistake, but let's don't get into it too much. Um, So that was not you know, there was an opportunity to, to say, 
that wasn't Callum's fault. Leave him alone. <laughs> that was, all right, maybe he made a mistake there, but we'd still like you to leave him alone. So I don't know where things stand, and I don't know what was said. And, you know, I've said this before when we talk about team orders, especially in junior formula. Uh, in my mind, those don't play because everyone is paying for the opportunity to race and you get to race your teammate. Now, you want to be careful because it's uncomfortable in the tent and so forth, but they're all separate programs. But when you are hired, then it becomes more of a team aspect. And that is a situation where I do think those things matter a little bit more within reason. But I would understand Eilat's perspective there that, hey, I was faster. I went around the outside. He slid out. But if the team sees it differently, there could be an issue. Yeah, definitely. Hey, let me put you on the spot. I'm not sure you want to be put on the spot, but I keep through this whole conversation about seats. I keep coming back to Devlin DeFrancesco being the, you know, the big play here, given his experience and his improvement and his sponsorship. So if you had to rank top two, top three picks on where he lands, what order do you put these teams in? Coin, you know what, given what's just happened, maybe I'm swapping around and putting Hunkos up a little bit higher. You know, I would have said I thought he was likely going to be at Coin, but maybe this turns out to be a good situation for Hunkos Hollinger. I, I know Brad Hollinger has a lot of money. But no matter how much money you have, at some point, you don't want to just keep funneling it into the program. A sure part of the thought of doing this was, all right, I'll get us started here, and then we'll find sponsorship. And they have found some sponsorship, but they, they don't have enough. So it, it's really going to come down to what is he willing to fund if they can find a driver that has some experience, then... That could be a consideration. So I'm not going to say that's the favorite, but I give that a better chance along with Coin and Foyt at this point. I, I think those I, are the three players. And I, I can't give you one, but I do – I'd probably put Foyt third in that situation because I expect it to be Peterson and Ferrucci. So I have thought over the last few days that 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 Foyt probably wasn't in the mix. Oh, man, that made a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. But I think like watching a horse race and a horse coming from from mid-pack to possibly win this race is Hunko Salinger. I think that for all the reasons we just discussed, uh, I think that has become, if not the favorite, and I'm not willing to go there necessarily, but I think it's certainly in the frame, which I'm not, not sure I would have thought that you know, three weeks ago. And it may not be in place of Callum Eilat. It could be with Callum Eilat because Callum Eilat is really talented. Unfortunately for Augustine Canapino, as awesome as he was this year and as much as we've all taken to him for how he overachieved, they need some Argentinian budget to go along with that. That's right. And I wonder if whether a race happens impacts things. You know, if they get this exhibition race, if they get this exhibition race, It'd be nice to have Canapino in, but you know what? They could always add him uh, sure, as a sure. one-off at the end of the season, and he would be fine since he now has experience. But you know, if your choice is someone that still doesn't have a lot of IndyCar experience and isn't bringing budget, 
compared to someone that does and is bringing budget, you're probably going to choose the budget at that point, especially if it, if it helps the other program. Uh, you know, other names, you're, you're going to hear, oh, a name I read last week, his name is, I've seen the name before, Theo Porcher is uh, an Alfa Romeo reserve driver leading the F2 standings. Formula Scout wrote that uh, he's a sourback driver, and Alfa Romeo has said, we don't have a seat for him next year, but we want him driving. We don't want him just testing twice a year, so we're going to find a program for him. IndyCar was not mentioned. My guess is it's more likely a European program. Maybe they send him to uh, the Japanese series that, that Alex Pillow was in and that Liam Lawson. No, not Liam Lawson. Uh, it's another Red Bull driver that I'm blanking on at this point. I don't think it was Liam Lawson, but you get what I'm saying. There's another high-level uh, series. That would probably be more likely but keep an eye on that um i heard nick devries name mentioned that was fired by alpha tori like it was close to being done with someone i forget who and that fell through but you know the names of guys that have tested cars before sergio set camera jake dennis is an andretti formula e driver nick cassidy is tested i remember talking to stoffel van dorn last year I've heard Felipe Drugovich's name came up. I looked him up today. He did a pro Mazda race at Mid-Ohio in 2018, but he was the F2 champ last year. So somebody is going to pull one of those guys in as a surprise. They are good, and they can probably bring a little bit of budget to at this point. So that's where things stand uh, on that front. We'll touch on some scheduled nuggets a little bit later on. So we'll get into that and plenty more all coming up. Uh, including looking back to the IMSA race and what's in store for next year. That championship is fun and uh, plenty of other stuff, including your tweets, too, coming up on Trackside. Hi. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Rian Svike, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, before we get into uh, things for the next hour, oh, I wanted to remind people, too, uh, that they'll at least see some content on social media. And some of you that signed up early will have a chance to go to the victory lap. They, they changed things up a little bit, celebrating the IndyCar champions. And maybe it's the top five. I think it's been the top three in the past. Maybe it's the top five. Uh, and the Indy Next top finishers, rookie of the year, things like that. There was a note that was sent out. A couple of weeks ago to put your RSVP in, and maybe it went to IndyCar Nation members and so forth. But uh, I believe that's all full. I don't believe there's any streaming coverage. I'm not in charge of that. But I do feel confident that you'll see a lot of good stuff on social media from the teams in the IndyCar uh, world as well. So look for that on Thursday night from Indianapolis. And maybe we'll learn some new things that we can share on the show or will be shared by others before then. We'll sneak in a couple of tweets. I can't remember if I mentioned this last night or last week or not. Paul Ingram uh, had a comment. Thermal's a brilliant idea. I've said track options between St. Pete and Texas are really very limited. Make sure it's a quality Peacock event and we'll get our fill. I live near all the Car Week events, watched a lot of them on YouTube. I was fine. Um, I think this is more than a Peacock event, though. I believe that the main event over the weekend is going to be on NBC. That was part of the idea. And then I think, hope, there will be some other Peacock content along with the weekend as well. 
for the love of Indy at the end of last week's show, we were talking about Pato Award. He says on the award super license situation due to the pandemic, the FIA allowed drivers to count their three highest championship finish finishes in the previous four seasons since 20 and 21 were disrupted. I saw it somewhere else. Maybe the race posted this. I, I forgot to open up the link for the article, but I believe they said we believe uh, that Pato Award now has his super license and he's going to do an upcoming free practice one for McLaren two. Uh, more good tweets this week, actually earlier today from Lynn, formerly the Spurs fan. I think we sort of answered one of your questions. She also says, uh, I can't believe some of the negative comments about CGR's announcement of Kiffin Simpson. He's only 18. He won in WEC, dominated the year. He did Formula Regional races. That's right. He did win like seven races in Formula Regional Americas in 2021. That's the championship that Linus Lundquist had won the season before. Lynn writes, I totally understand the Ridgeline connection and the why. Also asks, when do you think official announcements of drivers for the smaller teams, ECR, RLL, Coin, AJ Foyt, and Hukos will be announced? Craziness will probably continue. Who thought silly season could be more entertaining than the racing? Thanks, CGR, writes Lynn. Yeah, they get announced when when they're done. Um, you know, I'd put maybe Ray Hall coming first. I would think that should be farther along on this, but you know, honestly, it's just a guess on any of the others. Larry Foyt was the one that said we think we're pretty close on Santino Ferrucci, so if that comes to fruition, maybe we get that in the near term. All right, coming up the next hour, uh, some schedule things. Also, some things I'm wondering about today as I think about how NASCAR and IndyCar schedules might work out and how they impact each other. And plenty more to come. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Mark Erickson, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hour number two, Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, Kurt Cavan had another assignment tonight, so you're stuck with me for the second hour of the program. We'll get to more of your Twitter questions at the end, uh, depending on how long I ramble, at Kevin Lee 23 um, Some other things that we... Oh, you know, one thing we didn't mention before I get into schedule and other nuggets... Uh, we never really congratulated Chevy, as we should have, for winning the Manufacturers Championship, which is quite impressive considering how strong Chip Ganassi Racing was this year. So uh, Chevy still wins the Indy 500, wins the Manufacturers Championship. So, you know, you always look for parity uh, and balance. So I would think both feel pretty good. Honda won the Drivers' Championship, won a whole bunch of races. Chevy won the Manufacturers' Championship, won the Indy 500. That seems like IndyCar got it right on that front. We were talking about silly season and drivers in the last hour. And I'm sure there are things we forgot, names that we left out. But one thing that maybe I mentioned a few weeks ago, but we haven't talked about it a lot is a major sponsorship change that I honestly, when Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star wrote this, I don't know, for the first time, maybe he tweeted it six weeks ago. That was the first I had heard that DHL was leaving Andretti. Not a shocker because it was two years ago we were hearing 
that was somewhat in peril and the contract was up and that might have been part of the motivation in bringing in Romain Grosjean that DHL wanted more of an international uh, presence and wanted an international platform which a formula, former Formula 1 driver could provide you uh, and, and the rumors so once Nathan wrote that I eventually asked around and was told yep I think that is true and I think they're going to Ganassi I have not seen that confirmed yet so I don't know that but we did see confirmation from DHL socials this week basically uh, thanking and saluting their years of partnership with Andretti. So that much is confirmed that they are moving on. Do they move on to another team in IndyCar? Is it Ganassi? Is that part of how they were able to uh, convince Alex Pillow to stay and sign Alinus Lundquist and do the other things? Uh, all TBD, but that would make some sense there, and we will stand by on that. Okay, silly season for the schedule as well. Uh, maybe we get something on Thursday night. I'm not sure that things are going to be buttoned up from the last I've heard, but it's probably soon. And by the way, one of the reasons why we may not get something Thursday night is maybe they need to get 100% confirmation from what NASCAR is doing. Internally, I'm guessing Jay Fry and Mark Miles and Penske Entertainment can probably find out what the NASCAR schedule is. I'm even hearing some new things today on what might be happening there. So their schedule the last few years, you know, for the first time in many years, is something that you have to wait and see until the announcement because they're in transition from what they had done for so many years. But here's what we do know now at least from some reports, more definitively about IndyCar. Dave Coleman in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had a published report over the weekend where Road America essentially announced their schedule for next year. And kind of the headline was, for the first time in many years, no NASCAR. So they had a cup race for a couple of years, lost that to the Chicago Street Race for this year, had Xfinity back as a standalone. I was up there working that event for NBC, and apparently they have nothing on the schedule. Um, I will admit, there was not a ton of energy for that weekend. As far as weekends go, it had to be at least number three. IndyCar does very well still there. I was not there for IMSA weekend this year, but I've been there for IMSA weekend before, and that has a lot of energy. I mentioned that I was there when Jackson did the June sprints, and that was during a COVID year. That was one of the first, in fact, that was the first event, I think. I think that was his first race, and one of the first events back in early June of the COVID year, and there were about 10,000 people there. It felt like it had a similar vibe as to the NASCAR weekend did. And that's not a knock on NASCAR. I think it's just when you have this many events and there are other weekends with things going on. There's something going on at Road America every weekend. So it's tough to stand out in that marketplace. So while I'm very disappointed that NASCAR is not there, I kind of get it. It's also very possible. It's a one-year thing, and who knows. But that's what Dave reported. And he also put a date to the IndyCar weekend, which is a week or two earlier. Not Father's Day weekend, June 9th. So that would be the weekend after Detroit and would continue that long stretch 
of weekends. I don't know what, if anything, is happening the first weekend of May. By the way, we'll give you a little bit of car noise. Plausibly live here. You can hear some race cars go by at Virginia International Raceway at VIR. Um, I don't know what IndyCar is doing, if anything, the first weekend of May. I haven't heard when Barber is going to be. Those events always fluctuate a little bit based on what Easter is. But we know the second weekend, I have to look at a calendar here, but we, we can figure out when the Indy GP is going to be. We know when the Indy 500 is going to be. So that's three straight weekends in May. A fourth straight weekend is Detroit, and a fifth straight weekend would be Road America. Yeah, so I think the Indy GP would be May 11th. So I'm not sure if uh, IndyCar is racing on the 4th or taking that weekend off and racing the last weekend of April. And honestly, this calendar does not show me what weekend Easter is. So that's one thing we know. We know when, at least according to Dave, and I'm pretty sure Dave is right on this, June 9th. The other thing we think we think we know is Toronto. Um, Someone did some uh, searching for me and found some public records out of Toronto that they had a board meeting. And this is one of the things that we knew why the schedule couldn't be released is because, hey, we want to let Toronto go through the process of their board and the city council and the others officially approve that. So I saw a public record that said that a one-year extension, one year, was approved for the IndyCar events for the July 21st weekend. So there's a date attached. Approved by the Board of Governors at Exhibition Place, but there also was a note that said this is not final until the city clerk is confirmed. So I would say that, you know, maybe one reason that you can't announce a schedule today. So it looks like we're headed and it's just a process and it's a formality. So I don't know that that's 100%, but it's one other hurdle in there. Now, Milwaukee, back to the Dave Coleman story, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, this story essentially said, so Bob Sargent is a promoter that brought trucks back and has been involved in many events at the Milwaukee Mile for many years. And he brought NASCAR trucks back this year And this story essentially said there's uncertainty whether they would be involved in the IndyCar event, which uh, was stated to be not 100%, but seems very, 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 very likely. Um, And then some of the uncertainty came from a quote from Mark Miles when he said, we will promote it. And then I think that may have been taken back to Bob. Hey, Mark Miles just said we're promoting this. So a couple of possibilities here. Could be IndyCar is promoting it like they do Iowa, like they do Indianapolis. The other thing that I wondered about, which would not necessarily rule out Bob Sargent's group, you know, I could see it be a co-effort. But maybe Mark was just saying, hey, what's going to be different around this time from previous? Because I think that was the question. It hasn't worked in recent tries. Why would it work this time? And Mark's answer was, well, we're going to promote it. And maybe not officially as the promoter, but just saying IndyCar is going to put some muscle behind it and share some responsibility. They help promote other races as well where they are not the official promoter. So I would leave that as a TBD. I do not know what the scenario is there. Uh, 
I think I'd like to have, if, if I was in charge of it, not knowing all the details, someone else on the ground locally doing more, considering what IndyCar is doing. But there may be a feeling, hey, you know, we've tried it the other way. Let's fully take it on ourselves. We've seen we can do races. We'll staff up a little bit more. So um, I would say let's wait and see what comes of that. Maybe that's what Mark Miles meant out of the we will promote it. What else is to be determined? Um, I, I still wonder a bit about Texas, uh, whether that is 100% definite for next year. And part of that is I'm wondering about Cup. And if racing in the fall is tough, <laughs> Cup race at Texas is this weekend. I've heard some conversation that Texas would like to be in the spring if they're only going to have one race because they don't want to go up up against football whether it be college football the cowboys home road anything else it's really really difficult if that is true then uh where does indycar fit in because I'm, i'm not sure that they're going to want to have both of those in the spring so maybe thermal is there in part also uh, to make sure we don't have a really big gap i hope texas still comes through but that's just one i'm waiting to see that's one of the things i'll be first looking at when the schedule is out there is if if texas is on the schedule and we've talked before too that you know at some point something is is going to need to change i don't think 11:30 a.m local is going to work on a sunday if it's important at all to have a crowd there if it's just a tv event and if it's about the sponsors that have contracts for the track that says we're going to have a certain amount of quote major events of the year then you know maybe it can be done but otherwise uh, we're going to have to find out something different to make that work and what that is i do not know something else i'm wondering about i was told boy a long time ago that montreal was getting a cup race and it was going to be announced in late august I believe we're past that. I've not seen that. So I think uh, maybe that's on the TBD. I think the cup schedule was already supposed to be out. So maybe that's one of the snags. Makes me start to wonder if they... Because remember, Fontana is gone uh, for next year. They're going to make it a short track. They're going to do something. They just haven't decided what it's going to be, if indeed it ever runs again. But right now, it's not the the two-mile track. So we'll find out. You know what they own? NASCAR owns Iowa. Uh, And (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this as an IndyCar fan first, because we have seen in the past when NASCAR comes into a place IndyCar has been that takes away some focus away from IndyCar. If I'm NASCAR, I'm looking hard about running Iowa. That seems like they were going to build a new short track at Fontana and spend hundreds of millions of dollars, they own one. They own one. And IndyCar has shown that it can go well. Hopefully it's, let's attract more racing fans to this market and hey, maybe there's an opportunity for a doubleheader uh, with IndyCar and NASCAR at that event if they want to do that. Uh, So that's one of those that I still have a question mark. And I don't know if NASCAR's schedule needs to come out before IndyCar does or not. Uh, but possibly. And then the other thing that both series are dealing with and why it's probably more challenging this year is because their television partner in the summertime both is NBC Sports and NBC Sports has about a two and a half week window, maybe three weeks 
in late July and early August where NBC and USA and probably CNBC are not available. So if IndyCar wants to run their Peacock race during that window, they could do that. They could do that, and that might not be a bad idea um, because, you know, at some point, I think a lot of us are... You may not have a lot of motorsports competition, and at that point, maybe I've seen enough of the Olympics, and I might go to the trouble of watching Peacock to do that. So I think that's probably your option. Maybe you can get a re-air late at night, but they pretty much run Olympic stuff, you know, until 2 or 3 a.m. and maybe all night on on this point. Speaking of television, just kind of emptying the barrel here on some things that are still to be determined, we need a NASCAR television contract announcement. And I think a lot of us thought that that was going to be done by summertime. Adam Stern is probably the best source on all of that, a sports business journal. He has reported many times for a long while that it looked like Fox was going to have the beginning, NBC was going to have the end. It was just a matter of how much and then what's in the middle. At one point, there was conversation about a full streaming option like Amazon Prime, and we heard that that was pretty much done. And then the last report I saw from Adam is that Warner Brothers, which among their properties, and I think they own HBO now, and I just saw something today that Max, which is HBO, and that's what the HBO streaming is now called, Max, is starting a sports division. Um, So I haven't read a lot of details on that. So it makes me wonder, but but Warner Brothers owns Turner. So that was my first thought when I saw that, is that they're thinking about resurrecting the old summer six-pack six pack that TNT had in the summertime, and that could go along with Fox in the beginning, NBC in the end, and I would think that would go over much better with fans. I am not sure that NASCAR fans are going to embrace, and I'm putting that mildly, they're not going to embrace uh, cup races being on a streaming service, but... I think all sports are interested to see how that goes. It's working, I think, fine for the NFL. The NFL is strong enough that they can do it. They can get 8 to $10 million or whatever it is on Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. And Peacock is going to have an exclusive Saturday late season game and a, a playoff game this year as well. So it's coming, uh, but... It's not going to be received well by all right at the beginning. And I know this, the IndyCar team owners, you know, as we shift to what's coming up next for the IndyCar television contract, I believe they very much want uh, over-the-air television. Now, IndyCar is likely going to want one of these streaming services to put a bid on it. So someone is bidding against NBC, and they're probably also likely hoping that uh, the CW is strong after this. That's the group where 100 Days to Indy aired, and they now have the Xfinity series, uh, and they have the ACC, which to me, it surprised me. They've been rating pretty well. I think I saw something like 600,000 for, to me, what seemed to be not like a, a major Saturday afternoon college football game, or maybe it was even Saturday evening, with a whole lot of competition. Uh, so they're in... 80 million homes, which is more than you're going to find on cable. Uh, But I think the challenge is going to be, it's not as simple to find. You know, I have YouTube TV, so I don't get the CW live. I believe there is a streaming option. I know I could watch 100 Days to Indy 
on demand. So I don't know how that will work. And then even if you have DirecTV or an antenna, you know, you have to kind of search which one it's on. The CW might be an ABC affiliate. It might be an independent. It might be an NBC. Uh, you might get preempted for local programming. But, you know, those seem to be kind of the players as far as as that is involved right now. Uh, what else? Speaking of TV, um, I, I saw that TV ratings were up this year. What are they saying? 2%, something like that. And in today's world, anything that's up is a, is a good thing. So that's a positive that you have 13 races shown on NBC. So you're making good progress there. You know, I'll still say what I've said a lot of times. If TV ratings matter for you, you need to avoid the NFL. You probably should end on Labor Day weekend. I work there. I have no idea what the television rating was for Laguna Seca. You notice you probably didn't see it shared a whole lot. That tells me that it probably wasn't awesome, which we knew. It was not going to be awesome. Head-to-head with the NFL on opening weekend. Head-to-head with a NASCAR Cup race. Head-to-head with the U.S. Open. Um, If... I I get it. We want the season to go longer, and you can't just go away and hide. So I'm not saying that you should avoid the NFL, but if if the TV ratings matter and you'd like that to potentially be 3%, then you want to end your season a little bit earlier. If not, it's just something that you're going to have to deal with late in the season. Uh, All right, so we want to get into what happened with IMSA over the weekend, too, and what's in store there. More of your Twitter questions are welcome and plenty coming up. It's Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Kyle Kirkwood, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, we continue the program tonight from multiple locations, and at this point, uh, I will be doing my best golf announcer voice to not annoy greatly everyone near me. I've moved on to the Raleigh-Durham Airport from Virginia International this evening, and and here's another example of... uh, well, I don't really like, like to tape way in advance. We needed to start at 9 this morning because Kurt had some things going on. And, yeah, already different things have, have happened. And just in the last segment, started talking a bit about hmm, just uh, wafting over the possibilities of Texas being a bit of an uncertainty. Hit stop on the record, refresh the Twitter machine, and there's Nathan Brown's story, the Indianapolis Star. Obviously, he has the same sources I have, and he got them more on the record, what uh, newspapers need to have. And, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're getting at, and that's kind of what I was talking about uh, in, in the last segment. But he nailed a few more things down definitively. I don't know that I had heard the proposed date other than – so if you didn't see the story, check out IndyStar.com. But the big concern about Texas for next year is indeed that uh, the idea is to move the cup race to the spring. Uh, and the challenges are that SMI promotes the Coda NASCAR race. And then if you add in a cup race as well, which I think they're talking about April 14th-ish. I could be wrong on that. But around that time. And then IndyCar on April 7th. 
you'd have something like three races in four weekends or five weekends for their staff and sort of in that market, but mainly back-to-back weekends at Texas. And that's not likely going to fly. And so we ask, why not a doubleheader? And I'd be all for that. One challenge is you lose some of the steam and the benefit out of that because that's a Fox NASCAR weekend and it would be an NBC IndyCar weekend. I think it's still doable and I don't think either network uh, would ignore the other. Certainly NBC is in the NASCAR business, so they're not going to ignore NASCAR and the Fox announcers, you hear them talk about IndyCar and, and speak well of IndyCar. So I think it could be doable, um, but then it's just what does the track want to do? So I hope something can still be worked out. Oh, the other idea thrown out there, I had heard this too, uh, and Nathan got it more defined that a September race was offered. So I think, don't know, but think Portland might be same weekend, Labor Day weekend, then a weekend off, and then the Nashville weekend. Uh, so you could go back to back to back, but I, I also think you may have two weekends before Portland. Is Gateway the weekend before Portland? Is Milwaukee the weekend before that? Or who knows what else is? So that'd be a long run to finish the season. And you also have to take into consideration, is there TV window available? Um, not too keen on going September in Texas. Same reason NASCAR wasn't opposite football, but it would be better than nothing. And I think it might be better than 11.30 a.m. on a Sunday or 11 a.m. local time or whatever it's been. Saturday night, I uh, might be more open for that. Once you get into September, you can have more of a night race than you do in June. You don't have to start it so late Eastern time. So maybe that's an option. Otherwise, you're still, even with thermal, going to have a nice gap in the spring. But that, that's probably one of the reasons why thermal was really being discussed at that point. So those are the big question marks now as far as the schedule is concerned. I don't know if it's fully done or not. I'm hoping there's still hope to be able to work something out for Texas to continue. I'll say this. I think I've gone there three different times in the last dozen years thinking this is going to be the last time I get to go to Texas and see an IndyCar race because everyone was saying this is it. It's not going to continue. And each time, obviously, it has. So here we are on a Tuesday night in September thinking "Eh, it looks like Texas isn't going to happen. And I started hearing that a week and a half ago. Um, But I'll hold out judgment and anything definitive until we see that schedule. So I'm still going to hope that they can work something out because it, it can make sense for both sides. They've sort of figured out the racing. It's tough, though. It is really tough, and it is a fine line. And, you know, the big concern now moving forward is if they change the track to make the NASCAR racing better, then what does that do to the IndyCar product? And you have to start all over and spend some time and effort and money on testing. But I think it's worth that time. Easy for me to say it's not my money or my time, but worth it because that's an impressive market. Um, We need as many oval races as possible, and they can be very, very entertaining races. So uh, that's one story. Another thing 
Racing. Uh, saw this afternoon a story posted by Joey Barnes at motorsport.com with some quotes from Mario Andretti about something I think the paddock has been talking about with the announcement of the thermal race and a possibility of Argentina and Mario's sentiment in this story is if we're going to do it, let's make it a points race. I think his quote would say would, would be, I would love to see not non-championship races, but championship events if they're expected outside of the United States. Uh, and, and I hear him, and I essentially agree with that. However, I don't think it's an option within your calendar for Argentina for next year. So then it just becomes a point of, if it must be a championship race, then it can't happen next year because they don't have room in the spring. There's no time to get there in the summertime, uh, our, our summertime. And I don't think you want to finish your championship out of the country also head-to-head with the NFL. So that's why this is being talked about. And that's why, honestly, it comes down to how much money you got. How much money are they willing to pay IndyCar? to bring the circus to town and is it spread amongst the teams is does it help indycar pay the leader circle and spend more money on promotion and do the things that they want to do if yes to some of those things and nbc gives you a window then let's do it if not if it's going to be a money loser for the teams in the series and it's not a championship race then no it doesn't make sense uh, and as for thermal that's still a question i want to i want to hear more on the record as to I think I kind of understand that it, it needs to be a trial to start things off. And, you know, they're not pit stops, so it's a different type of race. So I, I think there is a fear of making a different kind of a race, a championship race. Now, some could say, well, you have some races that are very different uh, already, meaning random with street courses that have random crashes, random cautions, things like that. So I get that. Um, but But I'd like someone... To, to give that answer because there, there likely is one uh, otherwise especially if there's a possibility of Texas going away I would think they'd prefer to have it be a championship race so the fact that it is not there is a reason to it and maybe it's a thought that hey let's try to define this make it special and when it's not a championship race you have I'm just meeting all kinds of people in the airport here when it's not a championship race you can do more if you want to call them gimmicks. You could invert the field after a heat race, which is something that is being considered. So all of that is an option to uh, look into for that weekend. Okay, next topic. Um, Why we are, well, right now in Raleigh-Durham at the airport, uh, but have been at Virginia International today. Uh, Jackson was testing... Uh, you tell me, what were you testing today? What'd you drive? Well, its official title is the BMW M2 CS, I believe, but it's a TCX car um, that'll be racing at the eight-hour event here in a couple of weeks. I won't be in the eight-hour. I'll be in one of the support races. I'll have a couple of 40-minute races, but just giving me an opportunity to get uh, used to the car so that I can help um, 
transition into my first ever sports car experience. Oh, we're re-announcing that now? We didn't even talk about that before I shoved the microphone in your face. So there's your firm announcement. Uh, so we'll send something out more official, and I guess we'll say this. We have space on the car available. We're working on those proposals right now and, and options, and it's it's uh, quite a bit more economical than Formula Car Racing. So we can do your deals, and we've got access to a suite for that weekend. So, yeah, we mentioned the uh, BC39 is next week, and then what a week and a half or so after that, October 6th to 8th weekend is one more chance at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with GT3 cars and cars that are like GT4 cars and a whole bunch of stuff. It's uh, full racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you got to drive a sports car at IMS, kind of like what we saw in the Michelin Pilot race over the weekend. What'd you think of that? Yeah, uh, exactly like that. It was same car, same tire, um, and it, it, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot different. Um, getting used to traction control and ABS was the first big difference from the formula cars and the second thing was there's just a lot more weight um the car is very soft so everything happens a lot slower um but it, it was a lot of fun and just getting to see how far i could push that car and, and get the time out of it um it was just a new experience and I'm, I'm excited to get the chance to race for the first time in a, in a sports car environment here in a couple weeks so when i when we posted something i saw one of the comments was you need to focus all of your efforts on uh getting to indycar so let's kind of explain what the thought process is here. Yeah, uh, of course the the goal is still to get to IndyCar um, and next year I would still like to be um, on the USF Pro Championship and that's that's still our goal over the offseason is to get to there but this is just an opportunity for me to branch out and, and experience different things. It also gives me a little bit more credentials on the coaching side so that I'm able to do some more sports car coaching um, and there's, there's plenty of opportunities all throughout motorsports that the more I've driven the more um, I am available when a ride becomes available that I'm, I'm now a possible candidate for more sports car rides. So just giving myself a little bit of a broad, more broad resume um, is sort of the idea behind this. And as the person in charge of finding the funding, I would tell you that funding Formula Cars is massively more expensive than most sports cars. And here's the thing, you can actually uh, get hired or at least drive for free sometimes in sports cars. More opportunities, more cars, more chances. Yeah, 100%, and that's the idea behind this. Um, so we're not committed to sports cars next year by any means, um, but just, again, broadening my uh, experience and, and giving me an opportunity to be able to have that available if, um, if need be. Was VIR fun? Uh, you'd done it. You'd, you'd won races in a couple of different types of cars. What was it like in a sports car? I have, yeah. VIR, it's it's honestly my favorite track on the planet. Um, even though I haven't drove a, a real downforce race car at VIR, it's by far the most fun racetrack we go to. And I, I had a ton of fun in this car at, at VIR. The S's, was, it was super high commitment, um, and it was just just a super cool experience. I'm, I'm super glad I got the opportunity to go back to VIR. All right, we'll uh, see what we missed and more coming up in just a moment and more details about uh, the Indy 8-hour weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in future programs, too. Stay with us. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi, this is... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. David Malukas, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, final segment, and still trying to use our inside voice, we've moved inside a lounge now. 
at the uh, airport, so you won't hear the big loudspeaker here for this final segment. And, and what did I miss? Oh, I missed a couple of things I said we were going to talk about, so I'll save much of this for next week. Started doing some Indy 500 car counts, and like we like to say, or at least I like to say, it's getting late early, so you got... We think at least 27 full-time entries. You've got three more that are confirmed extras like Ed Carpenter and Kyle Larson and Elio Castroneves. So you're already at 30. If Dreyer and Reinbold does two again, that's 32. If uh, Abel with R.C. Enerson, there's 33. You're probably full with Chevy. Go to the Honda side. You know Marco Andretti is in a fourth Andretti car. If they only run three, they might run... Uh, three full-time. They might run five, two extras in the 500. So there's 35. And, oh, yeah, Ray Hall, Letterman, Landigan had a fourth last year. So that's 36. And I'm not sure that the engine manufacturers are going to do 36. So that's a question to be asked as well. So, again, yeah, there's not a whole lot of seats still left at this point. I also wanted to speak a little bit on the IMSA race. It was really cool. I hope people had a chance to uh, enjoy that and it grows and next year will be better with, I think, some IndyCar guys there, an endurance race. Roger Penske mentioned again the plan is to finish it at night. So that's good. Uh, Penske went 1-2. The Porsches win in their championship with one to go. The top three are separated by five points at this point. So that's going to be good. Action Express leads by, I think, three, a Cadillac uh, over the Acura, uh, Andretti, Wayne Taylor program, and then uh, one of the Penske's is only five back, and then one of the BMW RLL's is something like 38 back, so that's still in play as well. Uh, the Vassar and Lexus team all but wrapped up their championship. They just need to start. And then the Michelin Pilot race, I would encourage you. Okay, I'm biased. I, I called the race, um, but it finished at night. It was fun. Robert Wickens almost had a chance to win. Uh, he's not too happy. He got the RG-Bargy and shoved out late at the end of the race as well. But uh, he's leading the championship in his program with Brian Herta Autosport. And Daniel Morad won that race too. But it was really good. A lot of side-by-side racing at the end. That's it for tonight. We'll see you next Tuesday night at 7. Thanks to Eddie back in the studio. Uh, podcast up in a little bit. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.